And we're now going to read some very, very familiar verses in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Marvellous words. And I mentioned earlier that our guest speaker this morning was Andy Robinson. Um, our dear friends Rob and Becky, who have done so much on the technical side during these weeks, um, he, he's a friend of theirs. He's the pastor of Woodcock Road Baptist Church in Oxford, and Rob was brought up in his church and under his ministry. So we look forward now to hearing all that Andy is going to share with us from these verses. Well, good morning. Thanks so much for having me with you. I'm just really sorry that I can't be with you in person. But 2020 has been a bit like that, hasn't it? I don't know how you've found it. I mean, I know life is beginning to get back to a degree of normality. Schools, at least as I'm recording this, are due to return around now. But there's still so much that is painful. Yeah, we'd love to be together physically as a church, but it's not possible just yet. And then, well, there's all the stuff that's happened over the last few months. It may be that for some of you, bereavement has been an experience, job insecurity, or perhaps there was something you were just really looking forward to, and those hopes have been dashed. It's no surprise that all of those experiences uh, have put pressure on our thinking. There was a survey recently which... Uh, 
recognise that I think depressive symptoms have doubled over the past few months. And even if you're not at that stage, my guess is for all of us, well, there have been pressures on the way in which we think over the last few months. I remember a few weeks ago, somebody describing lockdown as being imprisoned with your mind, or if you live with other people, imprisoned with other people's minds. And that can be challenging. So how do we think clearly? How do we think clearly? I want to take you to the passage that has helped me most in 2020. I think it was the week after Boris Johnson had told us all to stay at home. I just happened to be reading through Paul's letter to the Romans. And I came across the section that we're going to look at this morning. And it spoke powerfully to me and helped me to begin to think clearly about what was going on. It's Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 30. And it basically says there's a pattern. There's a pattern to life that we need to understand if we're going to do it well. Verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Suffering and glory. And Paul explains why that's the case for the Christian, actually, in the verse before, where he talks about sharing in Jesus' sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. It makes sense, doesn't it? If we're followers of Jesus who goes to the cross and then to triumph in heaven, well, we'll experience something of that same pattern. But Paul says, and this is the thing that clicks it in with lockdown and 2020, Paul says it's more than simply that. Follow it through with me. Because Paul says there's two ways to look at this. He says, firstly, creation groans and will be glorified. Creation groans and will be glorified. See the ways in which he describes the state of the world today in this passage. He talks, verse 20, the creation was subjected to frustration. Verse 21, he talks about creation now experiencing a bondage to decay. Or verse 22, the whole creation has been groaning. Bondage, groaning, frustration. That's the way Paul describes creation at the moment. I mean, often, I guess, as Christians, we focus on the glory of creation and the beauty of creation. But of course, there is another side to it. Decay frustration, groaning. And it's probably that aspect of it that we've seen vividly over the past few months. It just makes sense, doesn't it? It clicks. You know, as tragically around the world, we've seen the death toll rising and the economy shrinking. You know, as we've seen countries locked down, there's just been that sense of, yeah, it, it makes sense. There is just this bondage to decay. There is this frustration. There is this sense of groaning. You can probably understand why this passage has resonated with me a lot over the last few months. And Paul says there is a reason why the world is like this. In verse 20, he talks about creation being subjected to frustration by the will of the one who subjected it. And he's going back to the start. He's going back to the start where creation was intended to be wonderful without any sense of decay. 
as human beings loved and responded to their creator. But tragically, of course, we know it went wrong. We know the way in which we as human beings, we live in God's world, but we ignore God. We don't follow his wise instructions. And the result is that the whole created order is out of joint. It's why you have things like floods and fires and funerals. Creation is not as it should be. It's in bondage. It's imprisoned. And yet the good news is this. The wonderful news is that's not the end of the story. You see, there's frustration at the moment. But do you know some of the other language of this text, where Paul talks about eager expectation, where he talks about hope, where he talks about liberation, freedom, glory. Paul says, actually, you're in the middle of the story at the moment, but it's not the end of the story. Because he says the groaning, you know, the groaning that he mentioned that creation experiences, it's the groaning of childbirth, verse 22. Now, obviously, I've not experienced the agony of childbirth. I'm told it's pretty horrendous. And yet, of course, the reality of that agony is it's always intended to go somewhere. There's always the intention that there's going to be glorious, wonderful life at the end. And Paul says that's the story of the world at the moment. We're, we're currently in this childbirth and boy, it feels agonizing at times. But life, glorious, wonderful life is coming. Do you notice verse 19? For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And I think what's happening there is, is this. Creation ended up in a mess, according to the Bible, because of the way in which humans responded. Humans ignored and rejected God, and that ended up impacting the whole of creation. But there's a day coming. There's a day coming when Jesus returns and will appear with him. Those of us who are children of God, those who are trusting Jesus, will be revealed seen in astonishing glory and when that happens actually there'll be a trickle down and the whole new creation will be wonderful and glorious and magnificent we're groaning now but groaning with life on the way life for the whole of creation and i tell you it will be wonderful uh, last year in the days when we could still travel um, I was in Switzerland for a week and ended up going up to one of the highest mountains uh, in Europe. And to be honest, it was just astonishing. You know, I had those experiences where you just don't want to leave, actually, because you just keep looking and looking and your sort of mouth is dropping open and just how stunning it is. And then as I was there, this thought struck to me. This thought struck me. What on earth will the new creation be like? You know, if this world is so magnificent, what's the new one without any frustration at all? What's that going to be like? Boy, it's going to be stunning. And Paul says it's coming. And we can be confident of that. You know, sometimes I guess when we talk about the new creation, it just seems too good to be true. It all feels a bit sort of vague and out there somewhere. But the Lord Jesus, 
He said he would die and rise again. And with all my heart, I believe he did. And if he then says, and I'm going to come back and bring in a whole new world, I'm inclined to trust him. And that means we have a fresh perspective, even on the state of the world, groaning, but with glorious life to come. And then secondly, Paul applies what's going to happen in the whole of creation to us. He says creation is groaning in childbirth and will be glorified. And the same is true of us. We groan and will be glorified. Verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Yeah, praise God. We'll look at it in a moment. The Christian, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. But we also have bodies that get broken. I mean, let's be honest, that's actually why we've had lockdowns and so on. Because we have bodies that can get viruses and can get sick and die. Or for others, it may be that the brokenness of your body works out in other ways. You know, ongoing pain, ongoing illness that is just debilitating. Or for others, perhaps that the struggles of life, it works out in other ways. Maybe it is battles with mental health. Maybe it's ongoing loneliness or financial challenges. Whatever it is, we will know the experience of groaning. Just that, oh, it's just so hard. It's just so painful. And life is like that at times. And one of the encouragements of a passage like this is it's saying, don't be surprised. You yeah, don't be surprised. Don't think this is something weird that's happening to you. Don't think this is God's plan going wrong. No, no, there's a realism to the Bible. Creation is groaning and we will groan. But just as with creation, we're groaning in hope. We're groaning in expectation. We're longing eagerly, verse 24, for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We don't have it yet. That's the point of verses 24 and 25. We've got to hope for it. It's in the future, but it will happen. I wonder whether you can imagine it. Our adoption as sons in person. Where actually we'll see God and he'll say, oh, my son my daughter and will enjoy that experience with no frustration no limitations no pain no more agony can you imagine it no more medication no more hospitals required no more depression no more temptation to battle against just the glorious freedom and liberation of the children of god and paul says it will be wonderful let me go back to that headline verse, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And Paul is saying, you know, you've got these two halves, suffering now and glory to come. But he says, don't imagine they're equal two halves. Don't imagine that while suffering now is roughly equal to glory then. He's saying you can't compare them. Our suffering now is like a tiny little pebble 
and glory then is like this great big boulder. And believe me, he, in saying that, he's not saying that our suffering now is insignificant. He's just saying glory then will be so, 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 so good that it will be a vaster weight because it will be glory that will go on forever and ever and ever. The person who I think has put this best is a 19th century guy, a guy called Octavius Winslow. It's a great Victorian name, isn't it? Octavius Winslow. He put it like this. One second of glory will extinguish a lifetime of suffering. I, I just love that. One second, if you like, of seeing Jesus. One second of experiencing a perfect body. One second of experiencing the love of God in person will be so good that even a lifetime of suffering will be forgotten. Paul says we're groaning, we're longing for that day. I don't know, as I think about it, I can hardly wait. Maybe you're the same. We have to wait, but it will come. Creation is groaning and will be glorified. And praise God, we're groaning, but will be glorified. So how do we cope in the meantime? You know, how do we live in this sort of mixed experience? How do we keep going? Two encouragements the last five minutes or so. Here's the first encouragement. We have the Spirit. We have the Spirit. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And Paul says, you know, our experience is groaning. Actually, at the moment, our experience is weakness, bodies that are broken. And sometimes that weakness will even extend to the fact that, Lord, I just don't know what's going on. I don't even know what to pray for. I mean, praise God, we can pray earlier in Romans 8. Paul says the Spirit enables us to cry, Abba, Father. But aren't the times when you struggle to get the next sentence out? Perhaps it's a complex situation and there's uncertainty. You think, I just don't know what to pray for here. Or maybe there are times when you've just been struggling to pray at all. Again, one of the things that people have experienced quite a bit during this time, actually I have as, I have as well, is just struggling to sleep. And to be honest, there are those Christians who tell me, oh, if you're struggling to sleep, I mean, that's fine. Actually, some of my best prayer times happen at 2 a.m. I need to be honest, that's not been my experience. Often my experience has been at 2 a.m. I just can't sleep and I can't pray. And, and right at that moment, the Spirit is praying. His voice is going up from my heart to God, even through wordless groans. Which means when your mind feels scrambled and when you can't sleep and when you can't face the uncertainty, you don't know what to pray for and you just feel weak and maybe even eternity, that feels a long way off. The Spirit's there and he's with you and he's helping you in, his, in your weakness and he's praying even when you can't. And you just begin to think actually, of the sheer generosity of God, of all that he gives us in this frustrating world. He gives us a hope for the future. And he gives us his very presence, the presence of the Holy Spirit in the meantime. 
And it might be for those times when you're just struggling to pray, you know, maybe in the midst of uncertainty and pain, it's saying, Lord, I just don't know what to pray at the moment. But I thank you that the Spirit's voice is going up from my heart to you. And then there's a second encouragement. As well as the fact that we have the Spirit. Secondly, we do sort of know what God is doing. We know what God is doing. You see, Paul says, verse 26, we do not know what we ought to pray for. But then he says in verse 28, we do know that in all things, God works for the God of for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Now, forgive me. I know that can be one of those promises that can sound pretty trite to those who are suffering. Hey, hey, relax. Don't, don't worry. God's working it all out for good. Don't worry about it. Now, that might be encouraging at times. It might just be painful at times. But I think one of the reasons we sometimes don't use this verse well is we haven't fully grasped what it means. God is at work for good in all of our situations, but it's worth noticing what that good is. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, the good that God is working in all our lives if we're Christians is he is making us more like Jesus, conformed to the image of his son. That's the great work that he's doing. And actually, that is our ultimate good. It isn't the best thing for us to be made like the best person ever. And so in all situations, God is doing that. But it also explains why he'll use suffering as part of that. Because Jesus is affected at least as our saviour through suffering and actually in the midst of suffering we're saying okay this is painful and i don't always know what to pray for but i do know that jesus god is making me more like jesus at the moment perhaps he's humbling me and knocking off some of my edges perhaps he's teaching me like jesus to depend on him and that's the security that the christian has Christian suffering is still deeply painful, but it's never meaningless because we know that in all things, God is working for our good. He's working to make us more like Jesus. And the point of verses 29 to 30 is he will get us to the end. It ends with him glorifying us. When the groaning of childbirth is gone and we're there with Jesus. In glory. And so there you have, it seems to me, just some perspectives. You know, this isn't practical in as much as I'm going to give you seven things to go off and do. I, actually, this is all about how do I think clearly? How do I feel rightly at this time? And I want to say there are four things. Firstly, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at the hardships of 2020. Don't be surprised at the personal difficulties that you face. The world's not as it should be. And the Bible gives us realistic expectations. Groaning is normal. But second, remember that we're in the middle of the story, not the end. One of the most traumatic experiences for me came as a child when I think it was my first film that I'd watched. The first film that I ever watched was E.T. 
Now, if you're the generation of my generation, you'll roughly know the storyline. In the middle of the story, E.T., the extraterrestrial, he dies, and it's really sad. And of course, when I was five, I was assuming, well, this is the end of the story, and just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing in the cinema. And it took me a while to realise, actually, we're just in the middle of the story. The end is still to come. And that's the second thing we need to hold on to. We need to be realistic. But secondly, realise we're in the middle of the story. The end is still to come and it will be fantastic. And so thirdly, in the meantime, remember that you're never alone. You have the spirit. And when the pain is so much that you can't pray, he's with you and he's praying to God for you. And then fourthly, remember that at the deepest level, we do know what God is doing. God is working all things for our good to make us like Jesus. And if you sat through this, maybe with a, a friend or a family member, and you're at the stage of you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, can I just say, here's a good reason to become a Christian. Notice if, if we're not Christians, basically suffering is just meaningless. There's no meaning in there, no purpose in there, no good there. Only if you're a Christian is there a purpose and a hope beyond suffering. And the best thing of it is this, it's true and it's real. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for this passage. Thank you for the realism of it. Thank you so much for the way it speaks so clearly into our world today. But above all else, we thank you for the hope that it gives us. Hope for this life, in the presence of your spirit and you working good and transformation to be like Jesus in us. And we praise you that there is wonderful, glorious liberation to look forward to. We can't wait, Lord, to see you and for you to say, my son, my daughter, keep us persevering until that day, until that day of life, we pray in Jesus name. Amen.